The F word is so versatile that you can mix it with virtually any other word. No, the only reason it gets a number is it's been released. I hate Peter Crispy. What the hell did you just say? Welcome everyone to the latest Chainsaw Buffet. How's everybody feeling tonight? I gotta pump it up a little bit because I was listening to our last episode and uh, the intro. Awesome intro, you know, I just played around with little effects and then led into my... Okay, welcome to the next NPR of Chainsaw Buffet. <sighs> Boring, sleeping, yes. Can yes. I make a suggestion? Yes. Uh, you may, yes. sir. Excellent. I think we should get Peter Cullen to do our intros. Because uh, after... Uh, you just cannot wait to go off on Peter, can you? No, I No, can't. this is a different... Uh, different. Peter. Yeah, no, this yeah, that's a different Peter. That's uh, Peter S. Beagle is the one I'm waiting to tee off. Stay tuned. Peter Cullen was the voice of uh, Optimus Prime and did all the awesome tsunami intros that made Hamtaro look cool. We should get him to do our uh, our podcast intro. No offense, Mike, but you know at least people will be like, oh, holy hell! You know what? What's gonna happen now? We could double our subscribers. Yeah, there'd be three. like two of us. <laughs> we have one and a half. We have one. I was trying to work that out in my head too. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> like, like I listen to us when we're here, but I don't download the podcast. Download the podcast, everybody. So before we get to uh, the drinking, uh, which I know everybody's just waiting for us to get to the drinking, I do have a rant. You do I do have a rant, rant, not related to the rest of the top of the podcast. I am totally fucking ticked off at Rock Band. Okay, I am so peeved about the crap song Download Tuesdays. So, like, and what, what made this last one even worse? Like, there's some garbage songs. They, they, they're not even charging full price for it. That's how crappy the songs are all in their 80 piece song. Like, like, you guys work at Harmonix. You're software developers. You're not musicians. Just because you have a band and you play in the garage does not make you a musician. And I'm tired of every Tuesday, I go into the Xbox Live and I go, like, what songs am I going to get? And it's some crap, you know, by the Harmonix band people. What made it worse was they were supposed to release the Rush album. Right, they're gonna have a Rush album, full album download. And that was kind of eh, maybe, maybe not, because we have a lot of Rush songs already, and the album that they're releasing for Rush are the songs that we have already, uh, the big songs. So we're covered. It's like, oh well, maybe, maybe, you know, okay, fine. Something snafu last minute. They can't release the album. Um, who, who knows why? So no, no downloads on Tuesday, but they're gonna make it up to us. We're gonna get some downloads out. Don't worry. Next week we're, we're cooking some stuff for you, and just. Got home, you know, Tuesday, and just, just awful crap downloads. And the real sting of it was, I log into Xbox Live Monday night, and you know how when you log into Xbox, there's a little ad. Sometimes it's Rock Band. It says download this stuff. Sometimes it's yeah. you know the latest game on on arcade to download. And it said on there, three track pack week, and they had three separate bands listed with three songs in each track pack, one of which was Offspring. And they were showing, like, Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Wow. And I think they were showing, like, um, Keep Them Separated. And I don't even remember what the others were. Like, I don't even remember what the other two... There's going to be nine songs to download in one day. I don't remember what the others were. And I was so stoked, you know, about the Offspring track pack coming. And sure. then I get some just garbage, touchy-feely uh, crap that went on at PAX. 
right? So the big event that happened that everybody talked about. I think about. I saw something about that. Was that the Jonathan Colton Darkest of the Hillside Pickets? Which Jonathan Colton, right? He's the uh, Stay Alive guy, right? Yes. He's the guy that wrote that. Right. So, he, you know, that's cool in I mean, terms of that one game. Yeah. And I don't want to buy an album by the dude. And I am sure don't It's want... Geek Rock, though. It's Geek Rock. Jonathan Colton, Darkest of the Hillside Thickets. I can't remember what the other MC one was. MC Frontalot. Harmonix, if you if you want to continue to do that, you need to offer some real downloads Geek parallel Rock, with it. Do not... Don't make it the solo thing, because I'm telling you right now, you don't want some of this. Like, I will come down, I will hunt you down, and it will not be pretty. Okay? <laughs> oh. That, that's... That's... Sorry, that's my rage. Um, now let's feed the caffeine to the rage. What did you get, Dylan? Um, I got uh, three different energy drinks here. Uh, let's start out with the uh, NOS. Now, should we allow you to open these drinks? I've heard you've had problems. Oh, yes. Um, some drinking problems. Some opening of drinking problems. See, see we were going to... Um, we were going to record a, and actually John and I did record a session at uh, Dragon Con, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Um, and so I bought this bottle of Cherry Romane in the dealer's room. If you don't know what Romane is, it's this uh, Japanese beverage that has this uh, nifty little bottle where you, you know, there's a marble in it, and you see it at conventions everywhere. So, you know, I get the computer set up, and uh, you know, we're all ready to go. And we start talking, and you know, in the middle of it, I'm opening the bottle. Which, by the way, opening the bottle is not opening the bottle in traditional terms. It's pushing down on the lid so that the the marble goes down into the bottle itself. And it's highly kind of vacuum-packed, so you have to really uh, push into it. Yeah, so uh, anyway, this stuff just explodes all over my notes, all over the uh, hotel table. And then what did you do? Uh, I stopped the uh, you recording. Stopped I stopped the recording. The recording. It was, uh, I, I couldn't handle it. Had, it was We could have had sticky. gold. It was, we could have had comedy gold nasty. right there. You stopped the recording. Oh. It, it might be comedy gold if somebody else besides me was there with him and I hadn't seen him do the same thing every time he opens a bottle of ramen. Every time. Every time. Yeah, whatever. The, the only time it doesn't happen is when you have Jen do it for you. That's it. Okay. Well, anyway. Let's start out with this... Uh, so, NOS. This is like NOS. nitrous that you would put in... Your coffee. Your, your I right guess coffee. so. Which is produced by the beverage company. Was that it? The beverage company. Like, yeah. we had a question earlier if it was actually a Coke product or not. And on the can, it just says, beverage company. Real nondescript. Like, like it's some front company... For drug runners or something? Yeah, that they obviously no. don't want you to... I have to, uh, no idea how much I need to pour out That's here. what we call pride and ownership there. We're, we're a legitimate Keep, keep in mind company. how much you pour. We do have to drink because we're reusing these glasses. Yes. And just so you guys know... Uh, I think we've got to even that up a bit. Speaking yeah. of the, uh, the podcast that Dylan and I recorded oh, uh, at DragonCon... Uh, it's going to be released as a track pack for uh, Rock Band. <laughs> I finalized it with harmonics like 10 minutes ago. And we just established that uh, not only can Dylan not open Romanade, but he can't pour NOS without it, getting it, it all It does have a, hell, uh, a pretty citrus. Yeah. I think I think that's like the, uh, the industry standard in energy drinks. The citrus pretty much hides anything, and you need to hide this. It, it smells worse than it tastes, but it still doesn't taste that great. 
it is um it's it's the generic energy drink taste. I, I'm just gonna call it now. It's, it's think... a slightly orangier Red Bull. Yeah, it's really not that bad. I mean, it's kind of really carbonated, but besides that, it's... it does have an interesting mouth feel. There's it's not quite a party, more of a more of a sleepover in my mouth going on right so now. The question is, if you have pop rocks with it. Fail. It does kind of feel like Pop Rocks. That's that's kind of the carbonation. I, there is a podcast recording going on in my mouth right now. That's it. Not a wow. party. There's a podcast. Are you trying to say this isn't exciting? It's very exciting, but... Uh, so you say it right like there. you mean it. If, if this were a party, we'd be downstairs playing rock band. <clears throat> All right. We should probably just do a podcast where we're playing rock band. I think that would work really well. That would be boring. Or and no. the day that Chainsaw Buffet is sued by the RIAA, and indeed, <laughs> I, I want to get sued by as many poss- people as possible at one time. Maybe if I can slander some people, sing two rock band songs, all right, so I can be sued by and the RIAA. We'll keep these cups and relatively in order. <laughs> okay, so uh, okay, the next uh, the next drink is the uh, the real star here. This is uh, Neurofuel. With a mood enhancement formula. Nice. Um, it may increase the... Up. What? This will pick me back up from the rock band rant. Not even that. It may increase the brain's healthy nerve function and structure to enhance coordination, intelligence, and recovery. Um, it may increase dopamine, which plays a large role in motivation, concentration, desire, sexual function, and a sense of well-being. It may enhance serotonin, which promotes happy feeling along with calming anxiety, relieving depression, and reducing the urge to overeat. Basically, I need a steady diet of this wow. to keep myself sane. drink this or inject it? <laughs> I was thinking we drink it. Smoke it. <laughs> and they didn't even card me for this. I walk into Food City, <laughs> they, don't even, they don't even card me to buy this. So, um, I'm completely, it's, it's probably glorified sugar water, but uh, let's see, you know, if it's... Prozac. Oh, and don't forget, just just to warn you guys, caution. This may intensify euphoric effects of alcohol and other chemicals. And Dylan and, just spilled some of this. And our oh, bloody hell. Okay. And, and um, it's produced by Utopian Enterprises. So, um. Well, it's a step up from the beverage company. Yeah. I think it sounds more like a, a no, neo-Nazi front. It sounds like a cult. It sounds like a cult. We were drinking uh, a uh, energy drink brewed by... Uh, brewed for the perfect world. Yes. But they're an enterprise, right? I mean... Or a self You can't have a corporate utopian. Can yeah, you? Yeah, you can. Whoa. That has... It smells like apple juice. It smells like uh, Capri Sun. Maybe that. It may be Capri Sun. It looks like urine. Nice. Let's not insult the Capri Sun, okay? It, it, it does have a urine odor to it. I mean, <laughs> like apple juice was a nice way of saying... That's more of a urine taste, really. I'm kind of let down by it. Oh, wow. It tastes pretty good. I'm not necessarily feeling any happy. enjoy the though. taste of this urine. This must have what it been like for uh, Costner there on Waterworld. Yeah. Wow. That's that's exactly it. <laughs> I don't want to think about that. You're drinking uh, Kevin Costner's recycled pee. Oh yeah. Oh. But are you happier? That's what I want to know. 
I am, uh... I'm happier that I do not taste like this beverage. I'm happy that I don't have to drink much more of this. Really, who who drinks this stuff? I mean, we're only, like, sad third, people. The third podcast in, but... There's been no home runs for me here. There's been no, like, beverages we've sampled that I'm like, that's my drink. You know, I can get my drink on now with, with some of this NOS. People, people don't drink energy drinks for the taste. Oh, so is everyone, uh, everyone ready? Hold on, I'm still, maybe if I mix this with some Steven Seagal energy drink, my head will explode. It's pretty bad. Sweet, merciful death. And, uh, our final, uh, final selection here. And I can't believe you went back to this. Yeah, I, I love vanilla. This is a double shot vanilla. Oh, vanilla. This is the Starbucks coffee crap. This is, is this the espresso double shot stuff? No, energy plus coffee. I don't know what the deal with it is. Coffee Maybe it's something different. Coffee. It's coffee plus coffee. Whatever. Coffee plus energy, just like that Rockstar stuff was juice plus energy. Wow, that even looks like a blended so, turd. In, in comparison to the one last time... This may taste like licking a dog's asshole that ate some vanilla. <laughs> That's the best I can hope for here. Here's your glass there, Nathan. Nice. And uh, to I punish myself, you, I'll, I gonna say, I'll dump the... Uh... I don't know why you gave me so much. Oh, it has a coffee smell. It's pretty legit there. It's nice and cold. I did put it in the fridge. It's like... When you buy one of those really nice coffees at the bookstore, and you leave it in your car overnight in the winter, that's kind of what this, this reminds me. Yeah, this is just pretty much cold coffee. I think that's... Yeah. It's refreshing. It's um, not as briny as like coffee. Com- so. Compared to what else we've had, it's a nice um, palate cleanser. So, gentlemen, um, I did not head down with you, but everyone else here did. You guys headed to the big event of the weekend, which was the Penny Arcade Expo, based on all of the news sites and blogs. That was the only thing that went on. No. Sadly, no. no. <clears throat> I kind of wish I had So, do you guys feel like there's any kind of slight of the ex- Penny Arcade Expo, like, cutting into the Labor Day stuff? Now, granted, they are in Seattle, right? So, there's, there's plenty of distance. But the Penny Arcade Expo is going to start having a PAX in Boston. So, they're going to get much closer. I think 2010 is when they said that. I'm not sure if the draw of Dragon Con is that Penny hard. Arcade Expo had user-led panels. They had cosplay. They had people in costume. Oh, yeah. I mean, how much... You don't really have that many groups to split that one up, you know? The cosplay crowd, pretty narrow. Well, I'm totally curious, like, how, how far people actually came for Dragon Con. Like, there are people yeah, from New York and uh, Virginia... So I guess we, they we may quite a bit. cut into it a bit, after all. That would be sad. But, uh, I would love for PAX to come to Atlanta and be in the Atlanta Convention Center at the same time as Dragon Con. Perhaps in lieu of. Yeah, um, the, the whole reason that I, oh. I've gone to Dragon Con, the whole reason that I'm not going to Dragon Con anymore is... Uh, I, I don't really want to say it's that I can't stand crowds, because that's really not the heart of the matter. I hate people. <laughs> I do too. I find myself hating people. And uh, the crowd is just a lot of people in one place. So it's a lot of hatred there. 
Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of exposed genitalia in a very confined place, and I'm bumping up against it. Um, yeah, uh, there, there are people who I uh, think, uh, if I just dress skimpily, uh, that's a costume. No, it no, is not. Granted, there, there's the greater majority of exposed genitalia, genitalia is female, so really you don't have to have a huge problem with that. It's just uh, any genitalia well, in that goes principle, out long, unwashed. You know, I mean, I took a bath every day. We took baths. Didn't you guys take baths every day? You took baths every day, didn't you? So didn't you? Are we, Please? Are we hearing about Dylan is exposed to Natalia? There was no exposed. Dude, I was wearing a uh, I was wearing a D and D cleric outfit that I'd made. So um, I was in this uh, big long robe that covered everything. So I have never dressed up at the times I've gone to Dragon Con. I've never done that. And what what's a really disappointment is is I do a photography hobby thing. I'm not any good at it, but I do enjoy doing it anyway. And they're so crowded in the four or five hotels, whatever they're spying down now. Uh, they're so crowded that they don't allow you to stop and take pictures anymore. Like the fire yeah. marshals make everybody keep moving. You can't stop and take pictures. And if I can't stop and take pictures of the freaks, what am I here for? There actually appeared to be a lot of that photography going on. I didn't really get involved in it. I guess yeah, Nathan did. They didn't have a problem at all. Like, actually, for DragonCon, I got a, a new Nikon. I got the uh, D40 SLR. Really nice camera. But uh, for most of the weekend, it wasn't a problem at all. Now, usually Saturday's the bad day. You know, it's where everybody pours in. So Saturday afternoon, we started having problems where people would be mingling in front of the escalators and things like that, which, uh, as you would imagine, people blocking the top of the escalator is bad. Yes. <laughs> it's a body pileup. But uh, so they started moving us away, but it wasn't until the end of the con where they actually started getting really anal about where you're taking your pictures. Thank God, I have like over 600 pictures. So it, it seemed pretty Now they're in the five hotels now, right? Four. Four? They, okay. they added the Sheraton. So they have like the Marriott and the Hilton, the Hyatt. That's all in the Those are the three there. that were there. And then like two blocks down, they added the Sheraton. So Which, when did you guys get down? You got down what? Thursday, Thursday night? Thursday night. Which, how was the trip down? I mean, it you was there getting the hotel all right? Oh man, the I gotta say this. The trip down was crazy. Because, uh, you know, when you're going down and things like that, you think, you always think you're the only one going. You don't think about everyone else on the road. I saw so many different people going to Dragon Con. Signs saying they were Dragon Con or bus. People flying the Cobra Commander flag on the, t- on the roof of their car. And uh, you could usually tell just by looking. And uh, if it was a car packed with a ton of guys who had, you know, that were pretty scruffy looking and like hanging out the windows because they packed too many people in the car. Yeah, they were going to Dragon Con. <laughs> so, all right, Friday morning, right? You get up. Where, where first thing you're doing, man? Dragon Con. Where'd you guys hit? First thing. First thing was um, we went to what they called the anime meet and greet, which in the brochure made it sound like they're going to have some of the anime guests. Which there's really only one, Vic Mignogna. And, and what do the, you call him? Uh, I I call him Convention Jesus, but I'll get to that in a minute because I, I actually have a Vic Mignogna. Well, he's he's involved in the story, but anyway, we went to the anime meet. Vic Mignogna was nowhere to be found. It was just the people at Dragon Con who were running the anime track, which was one guy who was an editor for Viz Media. He edits the manga, and uh, several other local douchebags. Um, <laughs> 
And they, we, first thing we realized, Nathan and I are not allowed to be in the same panel room at any given time. Because <laughs> they took their sweet time as the first panel that they had done for the whole convention. They took their sweet time getting everything set up. And, uh, they were playing some music to, uh, keep us entertained. And they made the mistake of playing, I think it's System of a Down did a, cover version of the Legend of Zelda theme song. They put words to it and everything. And uh, Nathan and I have heard the song a hundred times. And we were just kind of singing along with it real quietly like this. And then there's one part where uh, the guy says, uh, when Link saves the day, Hallelujah! And Nathan and I both said it at the same time really loud. And everybody laughed and found just went straight down the hill from there. So what was the panel on? It was it was supposed to be meeting and greeting the panelists and guests for the anime track, but it was just like two guys. Yeah, but basically it was their way of saying, "Hey, this is what we're going to be doing for the whole week. Uh, Here's our thoughts behind it, and just kind of talk about just a bit." Really, to me, I left touch with the first like twenty minutes because it was pretty much a colossal waste of time. What you head to? Um, Well, after we left, where did we head to, Crystal? I believe we actually headed out for people watching, which is pretty much the main thing I want to do at Dragon Con, is there is the craziest bunch of uh, individuals who will talk to you about anything. So you can kind of walk around, see people in crazy costumes, ask them about it. It's, it's a lot of fun. I guess I'm kind of the opposite. I actually kind of like hanging out with people, so uh, it's definitely a plus for me. Or the anti-mite. I'm the anti-mite. I think the first thing I did after that was go to the dealer rooms, which I, I have a tremendous gripe about. Uh, I I like the fact that they had as much as they had in terms of dealers there. I disliked that so much that quite a bit of it was overlapping. You had two or three places that were selling the exact same uh, yeah. gaming books that had the same scoop of dice uh, gimmick. And at least 24 places that had costuming stuff. Um, 78 Lucky Cats. Exactly. And they did have some differences here and there. But a little well, bit. some are white Lucky Cats, some are black Lucky Cats. But, some but, are pewter, some are ceramic. But that's not my major complaint. My major complaint was that it's kind of sprawled across two floors. It's not all over those two floors. You know, like it's all dealers wall to wall. It's, there's a room here that has some dealers in it, there's a room across on the other side of the floor that has dealers in it, then you go downstairs, fight the humongous crowd of people that are not only coming in for the dealer's room, but they're also trying to get through the middle of the hotel to go to the Hyatt instead of walking around outside and doing it that way. And it was, it was a tremendous hassle to get anywhere, and to find everything, and look at everything, and it... At the end of the day, it's like, yeah, that's great, but can we just put it in one giant room next time? I don't think they had a room anywhere around there that was big enough to to, to house all that and you know and give each dealer the booth space that they were promised. It was pretty massive. I mean, yeah. it was. Did they have the dealers there that were trying to block photography, like at their one booth? Like when I was there uh, last time, there was a booth that had. Um, just big panoramics of Star Trek. And one poster I thought was kind of cool, you know, it was framed and everything, uh, and signed, 
had all the captains. Yeah, I know, saw that. Uh, even like the crap Janeway captains. You know, it was like it was all Come the captains on. ever. You know, it had uh, Enterprise and Scott Bakula. You know, was on there as well. So uh, I just thought it was cool. So you know, I wasn't like gonna try to you know get up on it with an SLR and make digital reprints of this or something like that. I was just standing back and like, this is a Star Trek, you know, dealer in booth. And the dude's like putting his hand like, you can't take any photos of this. You know? I can see why he would be a little weird yeah. since he's now, selling pictures. I'm not sure if it was like this when you were there last, but uh, what they've done with a lot of things is they've separated out the art exhibits from the dealer's room. So you have the dealer's room where you get, you know, your basic trinkets. No, no, I'm not talking here. about the art exhibit, which actually to me... I can understand there's no photography in the art exhibits. Right. There's, yeah. there's photography allowed in a dealer's room, and it's just certain dealers that get upset uh, about it, but it's, it's okay in the room as a whole. The art exhibit, I've seen some amazing pieces of art down in there, and I think it's a detriment to the artists to not allow photography down there because most people don't ever know of these artists. I saw one guy do this entire diorama. It must have been 10 feet by 10 feet of... Army of Darkness, of the invasion at the very yeah, end. That would be awesome. And, I mean, it was in every detail, facet, and when you saw it, you recognized the scene. Because it was like a scene where, um, who was the biggie bad evil guy? He, he's climbing the wall at this point. Um, so, I mean, he's like climbing the wall and getting ready to fight, and like you recognize the scene, and it's in crazy detail of this. A photo's never going to do this justice, you know? But at least a photo would get the word out. For these artists, you know, and it's it not depends. like they're mainstream artists, they have a big name. I think they would benefit more by allowing the photography. Everybody that goes to Dragon Con, they take photos, their friends want to see the photos, their friends are into the same kind of thing, that's why they want to see the photos. So, um, I always thought that was kind of, um, it's kind of a backwards type system, you know, it's like, you should allow the artwork photos. So where did you guys go after you spoke from the dealer room? I think at some point we headed over to the uh, Walk of Fame, the autograph area. Was that? That was Friday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Friday, Friday was the best day for the Walk of Fame as far as, you know, getting through the lines. Because uh, they, they had pretty good lines for a lot of the guests, but they were still, you know, they were moving along at a pretty good clip and they, they weren't, you know, like hour-long lines like they had. Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Um, a lot of them charging for their signature? Oh. I think all of them were charging. All of them now? Most. Most? Most. Uh, They've gotten worse then. Yeah. Yeah. And just to explain, just so the Walk of Fame basically is where all the uh, sci fi uh, movie stars or they, not necessarily always sci fi, all the book authors, voice, and actors. Like voice actors show up at Dragon Con where you can actually go and relate with them, talk with them, things like that. But, uh, yeah. For $25, bare minimum. Yeah, a lot of them charge. Actually, the artists, not the artists, excuse me, the, uh, the authors don't charge, which is kind of strange. But, uh. Well, maybe that's because of Robert Aspen. So, um, a lot of the, uh, the people that charge on that, they're, they're not so good with the tax numbers on that money. You know, you're paying in a lot of cash, a lot of cash, just slips in the pocket. You know, for my signature, no big deal. Um, Robert Aspen, uh, does uh Fool's Company series. He does the um, uh, Myth series. The Hitter Myth. And he also yeah. does uh, a bigger fantasy series. I'm yeah. kind of into his older stuff, but he's doing a newer current series. He kind of does a lot of the tongue-in-cheek kind he of He does a lot of the tongue-in-cheek. Uh, 
apparently he um, got busted by the IRS. You know, they cracked down on all the con revenue that he was pulling in, signing his signatures and all that. Uh, if you look at every Robert Aspen book right now, you'll notice that they are joint books. They're never solely in his name. Because his settlement was with the IRS that if he writes a book in his name, they're getting a cut of the profit. You know? Wow. He finally he squirreled away on that somehow by writing all of these books with co-authors. So maybe some of the other authors are kind of like, you know what, we don't want to touch that money and get an audit. Yeah. Well, I mean, they have the author's area separate, so I don't even think I went there, so I don't know. I, I, when I was there, I hit several authors. Um, I learned that uh, Tracy Hickman's a dude. Did not yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, Tracy <laughs> Hickman always writes with... Uh, Margaret Ross. Margaret Wise, mm -hmm. uh, they do some great, awesome fantasy fiction. I, I really dig their stuff. And awesome. so I had some of their Seven Gate series, their Gate series, you know, they get oh, signed. Oh, yeah, the Death Gate uh, Cycle. The Death Gate Cycle, yeah. yeah. I'm always like, a lot of people are in line to sign the current book. And it's like, no, I want you to sign my favorites. My worn, torn paperbacks that are falling apart that I'd love to death. I want you to sign that, you know. I got Seven K's, you the bookstore. I want you to sign that one. Oh, yeah. Um, although... At the con, I'll usually impulse buy a leather-bound edition from the dealer room if I know I'm going to get signed later that day and they have, like, something nice. I may do that as well. So I got in there and uh, Margaret signed the book, and then I moved down the line to Tracy, and I said to Tracy, uh, you know how your authors never look like you imagined them? And he just started laughing. Uh, and he told me that uh, he has been invited to speak two times now, twice, for now, the National Organization of Women have invited him to speak as, oh, you know, a female man. author. <laughs> and he said if they ask a third time, he's just showing up. Um, I uh, got some great photos of him uh, there with that, you know, at that moment. So I got some photos. And actually, I don't know if it's still true, but the Wikipedia entry, somebody grabbed one of my photos and used my photo for his Wikipedia entry on there. And in the comments on the Discuss page, you know, there was discussion about being commonly mistaken for, you know, female. So I added to the discussion the story that, you know, he told about National Organization of Women twice asking him. Of course, being Wikipedia, there's no verification on it. They didn't add that. Um, so who's, who's, what authors did you guys hit? Authors. <laughs> authors. Uh, I didn't hit any. Uh, Jen hit one. She hit Peter S. Beagle, who is... Uh, Known for writing a book called The Last Unicorn. Some of you may have seen the, uh, the animated movie. I understand there's an issue. A legal issue. Uh, Why, yes. There's several legal issues <laughs> with that. Uh, Peter S. Beagle was handing out, uh, or had these little flyers at his booth uh, when my wife uh, got her copy of the DVD and bought a copy of the book and had it signed. Um but it had, you know, on one side it has his picture and his biography and the things he's worked on. And on the back is a list of frequently asked questions. Uh, and I'm sure that these these are things that are asked of him constantly. In the web world, these are uh, questions we wish people would ask frequently. Yes. Yeah, it's a problem when writing facts. No, I'm sure these, these are uh, things that people ask all the time. Uh, because they include questions such as... Uh, I've heard that Peter S. Beagle hasn't been paid anything from sales of The Last Unicorn on DVD or videotape. True or false? I, and it goes from an FAQ to, I think, a true or false pop quiz. Uh, but the answer is sadly true. 
Since 1999, London-based Granada Media has sold more than 1.2 million DVDs and half a million videotapes of The Last Unicorn. So, did she have him sign the DVD he hasn't been paid for? Yeah. And he did? Well, it goes on to say that he has re-released the movie through, uh, let's see, Conlon Press, I think, is, is his uh, media company, or at least the company that he's affiliated with now, if he's not directly... Uh, involved with it, he's making more than half the money from those sales. So there's you know two different versions now. There's the one that the original one that he's not making any money off of, and then there's the one that he released himself that he is. But this is the same exact movie. Yeah, there's different release. There is no difference except he's making more money from one than the other. Uh, there's apparently also he worked on the screenplay for the animated Lord of the Rings movies. Which, uh, according to this, he hasn't been paid for. Uh, Are we talking about the old, like, 1970s? Yeah, yeah the 1970s ones. So, you those know, look Fro- like, Frodo of the Nine Fingers and like the Ring crap. of Doom. Yeah. Why would you want to be associated with... So, from what I understand from the, the, the 1970s stuff, right, is that they did the first one and then pissed off a whole bunch of religious groups. And basically, a bunch of people got nervous, pulled money out, and that's why the, the production quality of the other animated ones Look like crap to the point where they almost look like cardboard cutouts, like an early South Park version of animation that they were trying to complete that with. Yeah. There's you get the ring to that damn So he had a hand in that, and there doesn't seem to be any money from that to get. So apparently, the uh, one of the guys, according to the facts, the guy uh, made you know, one of the guys involved made lots and lots of money, and he made. Nothing. Half a billion with a B. That that's a direct quote. Half a billion for on the Lord of the Rings crappy for, seventy for uh, the crappy uh, last unicorn. Oh, oh, okay. But he only made like a few thousand dollars off of it. So he's there just trying to hawk, you know. So does he have a legal team suing? Funny you should ask that. Uh, he he has been working uh, to get the issue resolved. And uh, in case you're really interested in helping, uh, he has a website, www.conlinpress.com slash you can help, uh, where you can donate funds to his uh, to his legal team so they can fight for his rights. So, does he actually have... He has a legal team, and he wants you to pay it. Yeah. Um, he wants you to pay his legal finances so he can get paid for uh, his crappy movie and book. Oh, so I don't even know why they don't cut out the middleman and he just take what you give him. Oh, so, <laughs> hey, so, hey, you know when you were, uh, you know when you were one, saying you wish you were sued for slander? Congratulations! It's only slander if it's not true. His book is crap, as is his movie. Okay, I think, uh, so to, uh, I think we need to move on from to there. I think we actually have to talk about him for it to be slander. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have to call him, like, I would have to intentionally imply that he was, uh, You'd have to say something like he is a... A neo-Nazi. <laughs> well, I was going to say something, you know, hypothetically speaking, like he's some kind of con artist huckster trying to get people to pay for his legal bills for a battle he should fight him to himself. I mean, if you said something hypothetically like that... Yeah, yeah, I mean... Either they, that or just say he likes little boys. Theoretically. <laughs> Allegedly. 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 Oh, All the way to the I, bank. I may have heard. On the internet. <laughs> I, I really do think if I'm going to get sued by anyone, it's going to be Roger Clemens that does it. 
Allegedly. 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 So, to touch on another thing while we're on the author topic. Roger Clemens. Um, not Roger Clemens. Uh, it's kind of a bit more sobering, at least for me, is uh, they actually had some really cool stuff set up in memorial of Robert Jordan. Um, I don't know. Have you guys read any of the Valentine stuff at all? I yeah. did. Okay, so this is going to sound cold and heartless, but uh, by this point in the, the episodes, if you guys don't think it about me anyway, um, sorry to have disappointed you. So I stopped reading those because dude had no end in sight. I think I got up to Path of Daggers and closed Path of Daggers and said, not a damn thing happened in the story for this entire book. It went nowhere. And until he finishes it, I'm not going to pick up and read another book. So when he died, I go, hmm, I think it's going to be finished. Wow. Sorry. Just wow. being um, honest anyway, there. Um, it's good is. for Robert Jordan because I will go back and I will read the series. And I may even choose to start over again and read the first five books at least because those were great. He um, is to American fantasy what Rumiko Takahashi is to uh, Japanese manga and anime. Damn stories don't end. Yeah. Well, so, you know, but a memorial is pretty cool. That's yeah. Well, the cool thing, though, is I'm sure if you're not aware... Basically, when Robert Jordan, Robert Jordan knew he was dying, and uh, he is actually, he had the whole plan, the whole ending plan and everything else, so practically on his deathbed, he sat down with the author of his choice, which was Brandon Sanderson, I believe is his last I name. Think, I think you're right Sanderson. there. I think it's Brandon. Oh, Brandon. Um, but anyway, so sat down and told him the end. Now, the really cool thing that'll be kind of interesting is, uh, you know, Brandon's going to write the last book. And he was actually there. He had quite a few panels. Uh, he was part of the memorials, everything else. So it's, it's really interesting to, to listen to him and see this last book kind of come to life uh, through him. So we'll kind of see how that goes. I really hope that, um, you know, it'd be nice if it's Jordan's wish too, but I really hope that Brandon, like, ends it. Yeah, it's the last book. Yeah, it. Like, there, there is, I love stories. It's, it's one of the reasons that got me into anime. I love freaking endings. It's like, there's no possible turning back. It's over. Half the people are freaking dead. Everyone's you know? dead. It's like Hamlet. There is no Hamlet 2. There could be no Hamlet. Well, there is actually there is. 2, but... Uh, it looks like right. it's going to be terrible. Uh, yeah, it's probably going to be it. So, um, any any leaks, any insider information come out about what potentially they may do uh, with the storyline? Did he give any kind of indication where it's headed? Any kind of thing to say, like, oh, God, you guys are going to be amazed, you know, you have no idea what I know. As far as I know, there's not been many leaks at all. I mean, the, the knowns are, it is going to be the last book. Um, actually, Robert, and kind of supporting your theory here, Robert Jordan's been trying to end the series for, like, two books, and he just keeps on enjoying writing, which is uh, the reason it never ended. But, uh, so, it's going to be the last book, and he has it down to the T, so... I mean, literally, it was outlined completely by Robert Jordan, so he just has to fill in the gaps. All so, right. We'll see how it goes. Um, I hope he does complete the Tolkien references, bring Moraine back. Right? She, she didn't ever appear in any of the books I haven't read. No, well, I almost hate to tell you because you haven't read it, so... Uh... Oh, like that kid. Come on. <laughs> so, yeah, she's... Does she make uh... a Gandalf reappearance? No, not yet. Not yet? Now, you saw where she walked through the, uh, the mirror that last time. I believe that's when she disappeared. She was pulled to the mirror by, uh, oh God, what's her name? Yeah, this is like early. This is like, what, book three or something? 
Yeah, or maybe it's five. It's like the, five uh, or so. Whenever she when she they're coming back from the desert, died. The yeah, she she quote unquote air quotes right there dies, and you know you're just thinking like Jordan rips off so many other you know so much other canon, which is fine. I don't care. I, I have no problem with that. You know, that, yeah. that's fine. Tell a good story. I don't care that you ripped off the background. Well, it's hard ideas. to it's hard to say any fantasy author hasn't ripped off Tolkien. I mean. Yeah. You got Terry Brooks, which is if you read the story of Shannara, it's like rip off. Actually, Tracy Hickman and Margaret Wise don't do that so bad. Like it's hard to pinpoint them. They got yeah, especially like we were talking about the uh, Deathgate uh, books a yeah. moment ago. Uh, that's really hard to say. Like, oh, that's this story just retold. It's like no, that's kind of weird. Yeah, well, like, they they read their right their stuff, especially Dragonlance, more like mythology than like fantasy. Um, so it's kind of kind of interesting. But anyway. So, where'd you guys head to Friday yeah. evening? Uh, I just, I just, yeah, I just want to throw in one thing while we're talking about the guests. We we touched on them charging for, uh, you know, autographs and stuff. Just want to throw in my little rant for uh, the convention. If, if you are a uh, TV or movie celebrity who happens to be listening to this... Uh, There's no one listening to this. Good. Because I'm about to say some very horrible things about you all. <laughs> no, I mean, if no. you're going to charge me $25, $50, what have you, for your autograph, to sign your name on something that I provide you and haven't even... You know, I, I, I've already purchased the DVD, the movie, the book. You're, you've already made your cut, your pound of flesh for me, and I'm paying you know, $25, $50 on top of that for the opportunity to get your signature and say hi to you. At least do me the uh, the pleasure, the courtesy, even if you uh, don't mean it, uh, of just saying hi to me. Uh, not just oh, you, man. John. Here you go. Any names? Uh, no, 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 <laughs> Any no name you name? Actually, I got I got a name here. Uh, <laughs> no, no names. Captain Hammer. Uh, uh, Malcolm <laughs> Reynolds. No names. I do. I'll I don't know. Nathan was pretty nice to me. I, I uh, said I said no names. <laughs> yes. So Alan Tooth is very nice. Not like the guy next to him. Interestingly enough, the uh, the one celebrity that I was all about was uh, Adam West was there. And I was all about meeting Adam West. Now Crystal actually was all about re- meeting uh, Robert England, who is uh, Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger. Yep. If you're not familiar, but uh, my so, favorite villain. So we go to see Robert England first. He is the nicest freaking guy you'll ever meet. Totally down to earth. You know, he actually had the lowest signature cost. You know, he, he still charged, but it was like 20 bucks for everyone else, like 25, things like that. And uh, super nice guy. Sat and talked to us for forever. So, anyway, I go up to meet Adam West. And, uh, you know, I I didn't actually like the old Batman series. I love him even more in Family Guy. Mayor West is like my favorite character in Family Guy ever. So, anyway, as it turns out, uh, Adam West is a tired old man. Because uh, when I went up there to talk to him, he was grouchy, and he wasn't very talkative at all. He didn't care where he was at. He had, like, all these guys running around, sort of like, can I get you tacos, Mr. West? you want some fish, Mr. West? you want water, Mr. West? you want coffee, Mr. West? Which, that would make me tired, too. But uh, even whenever he was signing, and by the way, I paid 50 bucks for a signature from him. 50 bucks? 50 bucks, because 
I wanted him to rot on on the uh, holy overcharges uh, Batman. I know, <laughs> I know, but I wanted him to rot. No one messes with Adam Wee on the uh, on the picture, which is like my favorite quote from Family Guy. If you guys have seen that one, it's where yes. he's playing with the light bright. I love that one. Anyway, when I asked him to write that, he says, I'm not allowed to write anything but signatures and to who? Sorry. Here you go. Not allowed. Not, not allowed. allowed. Autograph? I thought nobody Please. messed with Adam Wayne. Exactly. Well, he said it for me. I mean, that was something, you know. But still, it was ridiculous. I mean, why can you not write that on a freaking piece of paper? I don't know. For 50 bucks. It's not. It's it's more than I got from the guy who stars in Serenity. Who, who shall we? Oh. Uh, but I, I. Did he also star in Firefly? Yes, he did. Oh, okay. uh, I I do want to say that as far as guests at uh, DragonCon uh, are concerned, there there's one guy that I've seen at conventions at least half a dozen times. I can think of offhand. Uh, Vic Mignogna, voice actor. Uh, known best for Fullmetal Alchemist. I was at his table to get him to sign my copy of Disgaea 3, which, as it turns out, uh, I was the first person to ever bring him a copy of Disgaea 3 to, to get signed. So that's kind of a cool thing, because it had just come out that week. But, uh, there, there's a lot of discussion, uh, that we've had in the past about, you know, how, how seemingly nice he is to everybody, and how energetic he is all the time, and how you know, nobody can possibly be that sincere all the time about it. And probably very valid. I don't know the guy personally. So it, that those criticisms may be very valid. But after the way that some, you know, one of the guests in particular at Dragon Con uh, treated me, I, I have a newfound appreciation for the guy. He might be fake, he might be phony. But damn it, he he will talk to you. He will be nice to you. And, he at least uh, respects the fans. Yeah, he, and, and he has a respect. And and he's he's grateful and talks to you about you know whatever you bring to sign. He he may not know anything about it other than that you know he read some lines for it. But you know like when I brought him this guy through, he's like, have you played it? Is it good? You know, I I, I really hope you enjoy it. Which was great. And he didn't charge a thing. He did not charge a thing. See, that's awesome. I've never paid for a signature. I just kind of, on principle, I'm not going to pay you to sign your name. Um, and, and it's good hearing some of these stories, too, because, you know, I, I, I punched out Adam West. You know, for oh. 50 bucks, you're going to write what I damn well tell you to write. <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking do it. Actually, you know, that's one of the big differences between anime cons like M. Takanawa and, you know, something like Dragon Con. Yes, from Intact and Noah, are there to kind of promote, you know, the companies that they're working for, and they're there for free. I mean, it's also a scale thing too. You you step down yeah. in con size, and it's a much better. And this is true of all conferences. I don't care whether it's anime um, um, industry yes. or if it's technical or what it is. You know, you, these smaller conferences really do better. Um, I I thought I don't know. You, you spend a lot less and you get a lot more. I think. So did you guys oh, do anything Friday night? Any major con events? Uh, not Friday really. night's not the dawn contest. They usually Saturday. No, that's Saturday. Now they did um, this year. They did actually split to where there, there's a bit of a problem with Dragon Con uh, in, with one of their events called the Masquerade. I don't know if you right know the Masquerade. Yeah. Well, so the problem is this: uh, the Masquerade's awesome, 
and they usually had the celebrities uh, host it. They had, I think, last year they had uh, Vic Mignogna and um, the guy from Police Academy who did all the sound. Yeah, Michael Windsor. Michael Winslow. Yeah, Windsor. Something like that. Michael W. Yeah, Michael W. We'll say that. Uh, which is really awesome because uh, they did some really great stuff. Wasn't the, the chick is, from Mythbusters on that as well? Yeah, so they had the the, uh, the redhead chick uh, from... Carrie Byron. Yeah. yeah. Don't ask. Just yeah. I, I just know her Someone has Googled her name sure. quite a bit, I would imagine. Um, but anyway... Uh, like an eighth of my photos from my first Rag and Gone War of Hero. Oh yeah, she's awesome. Nice. And, okay! Uh, completely. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into... Uh, that. Yeah. Anyway, um, but the problem is, is that they're not experts by any sorts. So what happens is people will come in with a skit that's freaking hilarious that they threw together at the last moment or spent like two dollars on, and then you have these people who have these costumes that literally sometimes take years to make and cost you know buckets of money, and they're beaten. So what they've done is Friday night they actually had a costume contest where they actually hired professional costume people to come out and judge real costumes. And, you know, check out the texture, the amount of effort. Uh, they had, like, awards for recycling and a few other things. So they get, like, a professional job done rating and then later get a audience appreciation type. Right. So <laughs> they split it off to where you have the professional and then you still have the masquerade, which is, you know, pell-mell, anything goes, uh, winner takes all. So it seems, the masquerade, from what you've said, seems to be a lot more about the skits than just the costumes. Yeah, it's, it's, oh God, it's a different. Is so much fun. So that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, speaking of, of of the MythBusters, there, I saw uh, Adam Savage on a little clip. At first, I thought it was from Dragon Con. No, but he he wasn't at Dragon Con. When I understand he had a little clip talking about RFID testing. Yeah, and how you guys seen this? Did you see this no. clip? No. Um, so somebody at, at the con that he was at, and I think it was a hacker con. Is, is what it actually was. Um, and, and I saw the Mythbusters at the time when I was there. You know, people asking, you know, how I have you done this? Are you going to do X? Are you going to do Y? And somebody asked, will you revisit RFIDs? You know, um, you know, because we all know they're hackable, they're spoofable, but they're all over the place. They're on your Visa card now. Um, anybody that's using those little Visa cards that you don't actually have to have them swipe is an RFID chip and... That, you know, you can get some components from Radio Shack for under $20 and be able to be across the street and read the codes off of that card. Uh, the way they work is there's no battery on the actual chip. Power signal is sent from, picks up power from the emitter device, just enough to echo back the key. So then it echoes back the key. So it's, it sends it a key and sends it enough power to echo back the key that's been printed on the chip. Well, the problem is, is this is subject to a replay attack because it's just, Radio waves, guys. You know, you just record the radio waves and you can replay it back and totally spoof the device. But they're everywhere. They're security badges. They're on your Visa cards. There's states that want to put them on your driver's licenses. And they're completely spoofable. And that's it's dangerous. So they asked Mythbusters, take, go, you know, go bust this. And Adam Savage's little clip that was cut out, was, he just starts laughing. There's no way it will happen. Yeah, the credit card companies and Discovery just will not. They, um... They they called up Texas Instruments, okay? Tory, I think, was the one that actually called it, the, the, the dude on there. Tory called up Texas Instruments to set up a conference call the next day at 10 a.m. to talk to technology, like they just wanted to interview and ask some questions about the technology. 10 a.m. that Tuesday morning, Tory gets on, and I think there was one other Mythbuster on, 
On the other end of the phone was Texas Instruments and the lead counsel of Visa, the lead counsel of American Express, the lead counsel of MasterCard, the lead counsel of Discover. They had totally lawyered up and basically threatened to sue and shut down the Discovery Network should they even utter anything about this. And of course, Discovery does depend on ad revenue, so they capitulated a lot. But I, I shouldn't know uh, if you had seen that and just how crazy that is that um, it probably goes on a lot more than we know about with the Mistbusters. I wouldn't surprise wow. me. I, yeah, based on just the little snippet you hear from behind the scenes, stuff, it probably happens to them all the time. Did That reminds me, did you guys see, I think it was on Attack of the Show maybe yesterday, they had a clip where the Mythbusters were at a convention. It may have even been the same convention, I don't know. But uh, Adam and Jamie wheeled out this huge machine that was like this over-glorified paintball gun that shot, you know, thousands of paintballs in an eighth of a second. And they used it to paint the Mona Lisa in eight-tenths of a second. Wow, like it was auto-programmed to yeah. put the balls in the right... That's crazy. Wow. That is, uh, that is oh, crazy. You, you know, just curious, just geek curiosity, was it like computer-controlled for the image, or did they... It appears to look like it was hard-circuited to just do that one... I think it was just for the one picture. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, I got some houses, walls in my house I could paint, you know. Sure. Put in different things. And just like, I have seen on the internet uh, a guy that hooked up a uh, motion sensor and a little bit of a turret control and built himself a Team Fortress Classic-style turret with a paintball gun. And the thing was amazingly fast and accurate, like how quick it would spin across and shoot guys hitting them, you know, sometimes 20 feet, 25 feet away, it could spin around fast enough and fire off a, a burst and hit them. So, um, next time we play paintball, I'm just going to be checking backpacks for any kind of turret equipment. <laughs> I, I want one of those for Halloween. Damn kids walking up the driveway trying to get candy. It's my candy, damn it. <laughs> then buy it for you. So, um, Dragon Con, Saturday. What was Saturday like? Uh, Saturday I finished off, uh, the whole, uh, Firefly box set signing thing, which, yeah, as we've said, cost me $110 for, uh, Nathan Fillion, Alan Tudyk, Marina Baccarin, and Jewel State. That counts none of the actual DVDs. That counts none of the actual DVDs. That's just the signatures on it. Just the signatures, yes. Wow. But, um, you know, well, Saturday... And wait, what's the, um, the, the female commander... Name. Is she there? Zoe? No. Zoe. She wasn't there? No, I did get Ron Glass's signature last year. I may pay 50 bucks for her signature. I may pay $50 to be ignored because, you know, um, she's black and she's British, right? So that's like a kind of mix there. You know, sure. And it, that's, <laughs> and it helps that she's hot, too. But that's kind of like a wild, like, you see her and then... You know, your years of conditioning and raised, you know, especially in the South, you expect one thing to come out of her mouth. And then, like, this heavy British accent rolls out, and you're like, oh, my God, I will pay $50 to be ignored by you. Holy crap, after seeing, after seeing Firefly, I cannot imagine her with a exactly, British accent. Because she's, you know, she has the same sort of Western, you know. She, she covers it up really well. Um, um, so, you got out of there. Where did you head off to, John? Uh uh, where? The parade. Oh, yeah, that's right. We oh, did. that's right. There is the parade. Uh, How was the parade? 
The the parade was was nice. Um, we were walking towards I think the dealer's room ish area to kind of go check it out because there wasn't any panels in the early morning we wanted to go to. Um, and we just happened to be crossing the street as the parade was, you know, the the head of the parade was coming down the street. So we stayed there. That was the only time I saw Gabe and Emily the uh, entire. Uh, weekend was oh, across the street during the parade. Uh, the Doctor Who's out in force. Were they all represented? I, yeah, there were a couple. Yeah, there was, there was a pretty strong thing. I was about to say, I wouldn't recognize it was Doctor that they Who don't miss a single Doctor Who. And they have most of the assistants in the parade as well. Yeah, well... I mean, as a hardcore Doctor Who fan myself, you know, I'm like, I could recognize most of them. To kind of talk about the parade, because, yeah, we caught it, and I, I love the parade. It's probably, besides my... The, Listen to the microwave. Besides the masquerade, it's uh, my favorite part of Dragon Con. Microwave's my uh, favorite part of Yeah, Dragon I love Con the too. microwave. The entire thing but, was a I microwave. Mean, not only the parade, but the Atlanta locals yeah. Um, oh, are, yeah. are still shocked and awed at the parade. Like, at, at this many number of years, how many years has Dragon Con been going on now? Is this a 10 year or more? No it's more it's than 10. More than 10. It's they are still freaked out by the level of freaks that are in there. And that's saying a lot for Atlanta. You know? I mean, it, it's definitely a different class of freak than they're used to. But the, the locals are just kind of afraid to get near the, the freakiness of that parade. So the crazy thing is uh, with the parade, you have like all these different groups represented. You have things from uh, your Buffy fans, you have your all your your dark goth fans, you have... Uh, your Siths, your Jedis. You, you have your Siths, you have your Jedis, you have all your uh, all your, your Harry Potter, young adult literature, like the whole nine yards, everything you can think of. And 80,000 Stormtroopers. But then at the yes. end is you have a March of the Stormtroopers that is insane. And what's so great about it is that you watch all the Star Wars movies and you like see the Stormtroopers march. So when you actually watch that parade go by and you literally see hundreds of Stormtroopers Marching in unison past you, it's pretty freaking cool. I have to admit, it, it's it's kind of freaking cool. Just and that's the that. only moment that having a stormtrooper costume at DragonCon is cool. And the rest of the time, you're just lame. You're, you're that's just, the well, best you can come I don't know. up with. I would Actually, like to have one. That, that would be pretty awesome. To, to argument, but say, to wear a DragonCon. I mean, like the DragonCon uh, is like, eh, you know, uh, Slave Leia's at least. You know, there's a lot of exposed genitalia, right? So, I mean, at least it has that. The Stormtrooper costume. <laughs> I'm going to go as a slave layer one year, I think. Oh, please do. Oh, no, please don't. But uh, the funny Even thing is... Even that wouldn't be original, though. No, it uh, wouldn't, but it'd still be no. fun. Dragon Con at night is totally different than the Dragon Con during the day. Oh, gosh. And because uh, basically everyone gets drinking, crazy things happen. My uh, first Dragon Con that I went to, uh, I remember seeing a, a guy who dressed up as a Stormtrooper. And his uh, girlfriend was there with him. And uh, that night, I remember them running past me, and we were, I was down in the basement of, like, the Hyatt or something. She was only wearing the top of the Stormtrooper outfit. He was only wearing the bottom. And there were pieces flying everywhere as they ran. It was freaking hilarious. But, uh... <laughs> Mad, course, passionate Stormtrooper. Which you know had to happen. I mean, because, you know, think of the size of the Death Star. Okay? There had to be daycare on that sucker. You know? <laughs> See, I'm actually, as I've gotten older, I am more of a fan of the Death Star and screw the Rebels. Okay? 
Because the size of the Death Star, you know, it had to have daycare. There had to be churches for people to go in, you know. People got off work, there had to be people. I mean, it's just that, it's a city. It's an entire city, it had everything to go on. And for these damn little rebels to come by, and these kids, you know, to blow the whole thing up. Think of how many unemployed there were. There wouldn't the necessarily Star. have to be. Uh, <laughs> how much tax I don't think anyone that was working on the Death Star at the time was unemployed for any length of time. The first yeah, one was pretty complete. I mean, it was definitely there full. There wouldn't necessarily have to be daycare. I mean, it's are, are there is there daycare on the Is Darth uh, Vader on the Death Star? No air, daycare. He's just going to run and kill the kids. Well, I mean, obviously you're not going to get to see it. Like, that would be a different floor. Just like the Enterprise. You know, there was a whole daycare in school, you know, everything on the Enterprise, but you never saw those episodes but like three times. Did they ever go back there? But it was there. The, so, the Enterprise is different. I mean, that they're actually building this big community in space and all. And the Death Star is purely military. So, so yeah. if Nolby Goldberg was the bartender for the Enterprise, who was the bartender on the Death Star? You know, good question. Who, who did they kill there? Who was guy? They probably had a great the... bar. They were all British. So you know they had a pub. You know? <laughs> so, ignoring the fact They had some bangers and masks. Like, a dude was sitting there, like, oh, just got off a of stormtrooper duty. You know? Like, maybe it was his third patrol out. And he finally had, like, a, a, a patrol that went okay. He's, like, he's sending a hologram to his kids, his wife. He's sitting there having some bangers and mash, you know, calling home, saying, Hey, honey, you know, uh, things are going good. I'm going to be able to send the payment. You know, we'll be able to get out. You know, the mortgage will go fine. And, you know, some kids just have to blow the whole damn thing up. You know, it just, I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm more on the side the older I get of of the Death Star. And, you know, hey, you, you got to accept a little bit of a few planets here and there being destroyed. Well, you know, when they when they uh, destroyed it over Endor, it killed all the Ewoks. Uh, so I'm told. Some not guy on the internet. Ewoks, did it, yeah. And from seeing the first three episodes, not missing the other homeworlds, they got destroyed either. Yeah. So, but, uh, oh, hopefully the Gungan planet. With any luck, that was the first place Anakin went. He said, oh, screw that Jar Jar guy. Blowing it up. But, I may uh, be wrong, but I think it is, isn't it? What? Is it not? Did Princess Leia not know that was her homeworld? No. no. She knew it was. Or Alderaan. 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 Yeah, she was from... Well, yeah. it wasn't... I mean, it was the home of, uh... Bale and uh, of that, Organa. That guy who was on the NYPD parents. Blue. Jimmy Smith. Yeah. Jimmy Smith. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's what they, I don't know. My, my lore, I could be seriously pwned by anybody that knows Star Wars lore because I don't keep up with it. There's just way too much to. To me, Star Wars was the first three movies. And by sure. the first three movies, I mean what we now call four, five, and six. That was it. Done. You know, the rest of it sucked, and all this other stuff is just fan fiction gone wild. Really. I can see that. I enjoyed not... I haven't watched the Clone Wars movie that just came out, and the, the new TV series hasn't come out yet. But the well, animated Gindy Tartakovsky... that just came out the same thing as the animated Clone Wars that was on Cartoon it, Network, just redone? No, same it is story? not. The, the original was hand-drawn animation. The movie that came out was CG. Uh, I mean, the story, though. The story is different. Because the character... I'm pretty sure that the characters that are in it uh, did not appear in the animated version. Yeah. Like, Anakin has a new apprentice who 
Uh, apparently, before he became Darth Vader, or, or shortly after he went through more apprentices, they didn't know what to do with if uh, this new movie and The Force Unleashed are to be believed. But uh, I got a bone to pick with The Force Unleashed, too, because they, they, you get to play one of those apprentices. Yeah. And, you know, they they like, oh, you're going to fight Darth Vader. And well, you're lose. not going to win. Yes, who's going to win? <laughs> you know? I already know that, so I don't want to fight him. At, at, at best, you're going to uh, fight him to a draw and run away and never be heard from again. Because you're a secret apprentice, and until ten minutes ago, I've never heard of you. Did you guys play the demo of Force Unleashed? I've you know, downloaded it before we went to Dragon Con, but have since been playing Disgaea 3 and have not. Your your um, character kind of like rolls his eyes at Darth Vader, almost almost goes so far as to roll his eyes. Like Darth Vader is like, you know, hey, I'm going to test you. Go here and kill everybody on this ship. And you're kind of like, what? Really? Huh? All right, you know. And you're almost like willing to like talk back to Darth Vader at the beginning. And I'm like, dude, you, have you not seen him force choke? Apparently he watched the first three movies and not the last. He's thinking, yeah, he's kind of a needy little... No! So before we got on this sidetrack, you were saying... Um, no, the the animated, the little mini short ones, I think, were a completely different story. And it was done by, uh, again, the Tartakovsky, who did uh, Samurai Jack and did some work on the Powerpuff Girls, strangely enough. Right, but he did the Cartoon Network one. Yeah, yeah. and it was excellent... Uh, the the action was done. The dialogue was very little, which may have been a good thing um, because you know it was still a cartoon. So it that wasn't... dude that did um, Powerpuff Girls, Samurai Jack, and uh, Foster's Imaginary Home for Friends, and, and and the Star Wars Clone Wars episodes. Whatever that dude does, I will watch. Yeah, yeah. Like exactly. he just, I, I don't know whether it's him, his process, the people he surrounds himself. I don't know. It's just, it's at least pretty decent. You know, he's never it's done always entertaining. Decent, you know, and he's done time. He's hit really awesome. My favorite Samurai Jack episode is the ones where the kids tell the story. Do you guys know the one I'm talking about? I haven't seen. That There's much a Samurai of it Jack where it's like fourth graders making up the story as they go along, and the animation is done to try to match their story. But of course, they're kids and they're jumping all over the place. You know, and the kids are talking about like. And then Samurai Jack, you know, was fighting in the city, and he got hit, and all of a sudden he was climbing the volcano. And it's like there's all of a sudden there's a volcano that appears in the middle of the city now immediately, and he's climbing up the volcano, and then they're like, and then his shirt gets ripped off, you know, and so like his shirt's just ripped off now, you know, because Samurai Jack's shirt always somehow gets ripped off in there, Um, and it's just so cute and precious, uh, the little kids. So you have to watch a lot of the Samurai Jacks to get most of the jokes in there. But um, back to Dragon Con. Um, we're, we're over an hour, so we'll we'll, we'll finish out the Dragon Con stuff here. Saturday on. evening, Saturday. What's going on? What were the big things? Uh, I don't know. I didn't do much past for what. Uh, I, I was <laughs> going to shoot you paper rock scissors because everyone's starting to go. But yeah, there you go. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, no, no, you're already. No. <laughs> no. Okay, okay, so uh, Saturday evening was the dawn contest. Damn it, not you! <laughs> and the masquerade. <laughs> Which you covered Masquerade? How was Dawn? Um, actually, Masquerade was Sunday night. But, uh, Dawn, I didn't go to. So I couldn't tell you. Didn't go to. I, I, I watched, like, parts of it on Dragon Con TV. And got bored with it. I, I saw Voltaire get spanked, and I was like, okay, done. Oh yeah, that. That was weird. So nobody went to, nobody went to Dawn? No. Uh, I went to Dawn the year I was down there, but mostly because the dude that voices C-3PO. 
was uh, doing all of the uh, introductions and everything. And dude sounds like C-3PO. Like he didn't, that's not a voice for him. That's his voice. So it was just like C-3PO narrating the entire time. Uh, that's the only reason I went to Dawn. Um, I went to the photo shoot after the Dawn contest. Did you guys ever gone to this? No. Did you so they have a photo shoot where all the contestants get up on a stage and walk around so you can just take photos. Um, and I was first insulted by how many times we were told not to catcall, shout things at the girls, say anything. You know, like that was said like 18 times to the people waiting for photographers. I'm like, come on. You know, we're not like apes, right? Um, but no, halfway through the photo shoot, like, they had to cut it off because of guys catcalling and shouting at the girls and saying, take this off, and cussing at them for not giving them the photo pose, which was totally pointless. There were so many flashes going off in the room at once. There's no way your camera happened to land on your flash. It was just not possible. You're surprised, though, that there were people doing that? I mean... Well, everybody in the room... Why do you hate people? That is why you hate people. Everybody in the room, people. though, I kind of gave some leeway to because they all had... Like, I had the cheapest camera in the room with my little $300 prosumer crap. Uh, everybody else had huge lenses and SLRs and had spent, you know, thousand-plus, you know, on the button of their camera. You know, hey, it's and, worth it. It's you worth know, it. And, and you're, you're one of them. And so I'd affect, you know, like, somebody that spends that much in the photography, you're not going to just be, like, hot cat calling. If there were a bunch of people that just had out their cell phones, you know, to take pictures, I would understand. But these guys, you know, I, I thought, you know, um, but, you know, I, I learned that. So, Saturday night, moving on, what, Sunday? Uh, up. Woo! <laughs> Sunday, what's going on? I'm trying to remember. Sunday what... was mostly me getting ready to leave because Saturday pissed me off so bad. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Well, like, Saturday and Sunday, I had, like I said, I was in this big, heavy robe, and, you know, Friday I'd worn it all day, and actually, uh, you know, when I got, I actually, you know, when I got the autograph from Nathan Fillion, it was kind of cool, because uh, he was like, hey, i got to get a picture of your costume, so uh, that's, like, my claim to fame there. But, uh, like, that was most of the rest of the con for me, like, I've made this, I want to wear it, and then... Uh, but no, it was too hot, and I was, I was literally afraid that I was going to pass out in line for, you know... Either of the other guys dressed up? No. Uh, Jen did, but Jen had lost her voice before we made oh. DragonCon. So I spent the entire weekend carrying around her stuff and talking for her and following her around everywhere she wanted to go. And, you know, people would want to take her picture, and I'd have to talk for her... Explain why she couldn't talk and. Oh man! <laughs> uh, but it was entertaining. No, uh, so, may, maybe maybe if you weren't me, maybe. If 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 we uh, cut in the because uh, we had a voice recorder intending to uh, record some stuff there, uh, we actually have a clip of Jen cursing in the uh, laryngitis voice. It's uh, it's hilarious. Sounds like opening material. Yes. We'll work that in. Oh. <laughs> So the time that I was there, um, they were trying to start up. They had, like, squirreled away in a hidden room that hopefully the RIAA would never know about. They had uh, anime music video contest, 
Did they they still, have it. they still have that going on? Have they moved it out of a dark room or and given it like proper? It's pretty big. I mean, they have they have a they have all sorts of tracks, as you know. And uh, uh, anime music videos took up quite a large chunk of the so they brought out more track, of a, I think. a feature. Yeah. Like with the year that I went, it was taken off of the schedule, uh, and it was just by word of mouth. Or had you walked by that room, you saw a handwritten note. To say down on the bottom floor of one of the hotels was going on because they were so worried about the lawsuits coming in, and I believe EFF were like standing by. Um, They had a session there too. The EFF EFF has a whole track there now. Do they have a whole track there now? Which they may have been brought in because they were really the EFF want fights sometimes. I mean, they totally are going in like looking to pick a fight, and I think the anime music videos is just a perfect like. Here is obviously a creative derivative work. The intent of copyright to allow an artist to come in, use another artist's work, and create a new work. Um, And this is both in sampling the video and music the song. I I don't remember seeing it in the actual program guide, but I do remember seeing it in the Daily Dragon that they they announced the AMV. They announced it, and it it sounds like it was in a larger room. And they actually, and I went to the uh, AMV How To panel, and the guy there had some. We were literally watching the AMVs on like a 40 inch screen. Like it was in a room, and they were shown on a 40 inch screen. I think it's probably there, but at least least like an impact and all. uh, I mean, I know the. AMV contest is a pretty big draw, and they actually have it in a main. So yeah. one of the highlights of the, co- uh, of the con for me. I mean, I mean, just to sit there, just to go see the ones that made the cut, that are the top ones. Uh, you get to see, you know, some really good AMVs. At, at home, what do you do? You spend a lot of time downloading really bad AMVs yeah. to find that one decent. I didn't get the one at DragonCon, but uh, when we were at the Metal Tennessee oh, Anime Convention, I went to the uh, AMV contest they had. And it was actually like the opposite. All the ones I really liked and thought were creative and innovative, and they you know, had really good video that matched the audio, and the audio was clever. They didn't like those. Oh, hell no. Uh, Z- oh. Zelda, Wind Waker, and Sailor, you know... Some people don't like Zelda Wind Waker, they didn't like the style, and a lot of people don't like the song Sail Away, but the two of them together was actually a pretty entertaining video. But what? But John, whatever did they like? Uh, they did, they did like, uh, Maroon 5 and Orin Host Club. Oh, they wow. loved them some Orin Well, see, Host I can, Club. I can kind of relate, because I do vote down any AMV that uses any Final Fantasy footage. So, well, okay, but don't yeah, don't go out of your mind for a, right. So, so I can respect the bias of some others, you know, Windbreaker. <laughs> I've never actually played Windbreaker. I've heard it's really bad. So, uh, it was awesome, actually. That I, I loved the style. What I hated was that it's like a ten-hour game that they stretched out to twenty hours by making you sail from one end of the world to the other and back the, and forth. The sail kind of sucked, but yeah. it was it was a fun game. Um, if they had not had the world so large and like the island so far apart, if they just better. said, you know, we have ten hours of content, let's go with it, then I probably would have been a lot happier. You know, just playing through a ten-hour game. Ten then... hours is not bad. I mean, I got uh, five, six out of Braid. Uh, so, and then granted, I think it's a lot cheaper than Windbreaker. Well, not now. I guess I can probably get Windbreaker for like five bucks. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, that was a fifteen-dollar game. You know, for me, I I have a job and I love playing video games, but sadly, I don't always have the time to invest. You know, twenty thirty hours, and, and especially if it's not, you know, 
20, 30 hours that are compelling. When when 10 of those hours is me watching Link waiting to get to the next site to do something, I'm not really buying that. But, you know, if, if the content's good, I'll play it. Definitely. And I think games should leave you wanting more. You know, like when I finished Portal, I finished Braid, I kind of like, I wanted like another level. And I think that's a good stuff, right? So um, that, that's yep. a good place to stop. So before we stop, any other Dragon Con stories we've skipped over, want to work in? Mm. Um. Uh, oh, yeah, I definitely want to throw a shout out to uh, one of the artists there. What was his name? David Mark, is that it? Uh, he, he does a comic called Kabuki. And we had vaguely heard of it, you know, like it, at the convention scene. Some people were talking about it. But the guy was actually there at Dragon Con. And uh, so we went and checked out his booth because I'm like, hey, Kabuki, I, I remember hearing about that. And he has, you know, a lot of his comics and some other stuff he'd done, not Kabuki, just like a, a children's art book and things like that that he had done. And... Uh, you know, I went over to his booth and talked to him for a minute. He's like, hey, how you doing? I said, oh, good. You know, I just came over here. I heard about your comic. I was coming to check out. And I said, oh, well, here, uh, let me give you some, some issues here, and you can kind of get started. It's not, you know, they're, they're not the very first ones, but they'll give you a taste for it. So he hands me, like, three or four issues and signs them all and just gives them to me. I'm like, well, wow, thanks. Well, Jen sees the children's art book they have, and it's sort of not quite Dr. Seuss, but it has sort of that Dr. Seuss feel, uh, and it was really good. She's like, and she liked it, and she goes, how much is this? Oh, it's, uh, you know, sixteen ninety-five or something like that. She, she goes, okay, I'd like to buy that. And uh, he goes, well, here, let me give you some more books here, then. He gives us, like, the rest of the comics on his table, and he has probably about a dozen. Signs them all. Uh, signs the children's book. And then he has like another art book that's just art from Kabuki that he signs and gives to us. Wow. Just gives. Just gives. Like, the only thing we bought was the children's book. Everything else he just gave to us and signed it. Yeah, that's, that's what I was talking about with the, uh, the artist room. You know, it's like, it, they, I think he gets more goodwill by just letting people give, you know, giving away, come take photos of it, whatever, you know, just here, I'm doing this. First of all, you prove to me that you're doing this for the love of the art. And you usually find that, like, a lot of people will do that in the artists. And even, I mean, when we ran into the manpower, the band at uh, Impact, they were kind Somebody of the same Somebody that art. charges $50 for a signature? Not doing it for the love. No, that's true. Any closing stories there for you, Nathan, of Dragon Con? I just have to say is I, I love Dragon Con. I had a blast, and uh, I think what I love the most about it is it caters to so many different people. So I had friends yep. who were big larpers who went there and larped the whole time. I had people who were like indie uh, film festival people. They did that the whole time, and like every year I go there and like. Through different tracks, different things like that. It's just freaking awesome. So. Oh, and and I I love the guy who uh, dressed up as Jarlaxle from Forgotten Realms. Yes, and yeah, all the drow were pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I love a guy that will sell out, shave his head, paint himself black, and put on a big plumed hat and walk around all weekend in it. Yeah, of course he was uh, second only to the. Uh, 
the chick who I asked to take a photo, and she told me to wait a minute, and then nuzzled her face into her friend's breast and said, take the picture. Oh, <laughs> Sweet. And on that note, gentlemen, uh, this has been another episode of Chainsaw Buffet. Woo! Okay, I'm going to the train. How about the train? 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 How about the out came the sun and dried up all the rain And the itsy bitsy spider went up the spout again <laughs>